You have made us in your own image. And you expect us to live as eternal beings in this temporary place. But Lord, how beautiful it is here in this place. It's amazing when we're apart from things that we love, we feel them so much more. And this morning, it is getting closer, Lord. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know it will not be long, but we pray the world does not rush back to its old wicked way. We pray that we accept well, the humility you have shown us in this just trying time. And Lord, may we draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to have Justin. He's going to sing us a song. I think he has two this morning. So go ahead. Look forward to it. Good morning, everyone. I normally don't do no speaking because I'm not a good speaker, but I have a special prayer request that I need to lift up this morning. And uh, many of you out there already know that uh, my mother's sister, which is my Aunt Melanie, that's in the rest home down in Lillington, uh, she tested positive for the CO, or what, coronavirus, whatever you call it. And uh, then they got a call late yesterday afternoon, and they said that she had pneumonia also on top of it. So uh, Mama and Karen and Jennifer and my sister also, they went down yesterday, and uh, they done a visit with her through a window, and they said that really lifted her spirits up. But uh, uh, just I just want you to lift her up in prayer, and uh, she can receive cards and letters, uh, whatever you want to send her. Uh, and I'm going to give you a address if you want to write it down if you have something to write with i'll give you a minute to find something or it's also on my facebook or karen's or my mama's um it's uh universal health care 1995 east cornelius harnett boulevard lillington north carolina and that's 27546 like i said if you can find time uh just send her a card just to lift her up because uh she she can't have anybody in the room with her. She can't have no visitors or anything. Just a phone call and maybe go down and see her through a window, and just uh, just give it to God and uh, put it in His hands and have Him to heal the broken. And I have a prayer here that I want to read before I sing the song in the garden. Uh, it's called the healing prayer. If you would bow your heads with me. It says God of all hope, I look to you in times of need. You are the healing God. Please bring healing to my loved one. You are the saving God. Please save those who I care about so deeply. You are worthy of all praise. Help us not to turn our back on you, but to approach you with thanksgiving. Amen. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he 
and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever The sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing, and the melody that he gave to me within Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. You know, the first thing God built for us was the garden. He built a place for us to live in. And it was good. He proclaimed it all good, the days of creation. And that great hymn at Christmas, Let Heaven and Nature Sing. We need to remember the beauty of is not just in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in God's creation. We are his creation, and we are beautiful in his sight. We are his children. He loves us. We have some announcements to make, pretty exciting announcements that I want to share. Um, we're going to receive not just one, but two Duke interns this summer. The first part of the summer, they're going to be working virtually. Uh, online they'll be working on different things you'll see a lot of their work on Facebook and we're gonna try to figure out how to do their part for our Sunday worship however form that takes as we go into the coming month they'll start on the 31st of May and continue uh, for their summer turn and at some point we hope they can come and be with us towards the end but they're taking that uh, week by week with Duke so we're excited to have not just one but two interns and that's going to be great uh, we're looking forward to it. Also, um, I want to make mention we're continuing in the ministry of the church. We are a vital church. And uh, you need to know that God needed me here as well as he needs you here. And today would have been the day that, you know, and it's actually the day for some churches that pastors are announcing they're leaving. Well, I'm here for another year. The Lord has made it. Uh, where I can celebrate that with you because not only do we have to get through this time but then we have to look at what we have afterwards and then grow stronger from it so God has meant for us to be here together 
Uh, he works in mysterious ways. And we are truly a blessed church. We stored up in our storehouse, and then the famine came in the sense of the storm or the disease. And we've used that generosity for this church to continue its work. We find ourselves having been blessed in so many ways. So I celebrate that we're together again and we're going to have a good year. We have those that are waiting to join. Uh, and like the sermon will say today, if you haven't been baptized, it's getting time. We need to look at that and to come to the Lord. So let us pray. We have many prayers. Understand we have members of this church who are on the front lines working in the hospitals and other areas, coming in contact every week with those with the virus. And the stories they have to tell are powerful, that God's mercy is being shown. I know across the land they've been lighting up crosses the color blue and showing support for these first responders. And I celebrate that we are part of that. And for you that are doing that here, we're proud of you and we pray a protection around you each and every day. And for everybody else who continues to, you know, make life work and those that continue to go through the daily process in every way. And for those who can't be here, we want to lift up in prayer. So let us pray. Dear Lord, as we gather here on this beautiful morning, we know that your hand is at work in a mighty way. Many knees are bowed this morning. Some willingly, others not so willingly. Lord, why do you call us in such a time but to save us? And Lord, we pray you save us. Save us from fear and doubt. Save us from sorrow and heartache. Save us from loneliness and disease. Save us, O oh Lord, from all the things that this world has that are not part of the eternal kingdom and save us for you, for the family, for the faith. Save us for the good works. Lord, we're here because you have made it a part of our lives. This beautiful place, Spring Hill, this beautiful community, and the beautiful people. We know that you are at work, and your greatness has only started to be seen in our lives for, Lord, you have great miracles in store. We pray for those that are suffering now, for many are, around the whole world. We pray, O oh Lord, that there be respite from the storm and moments of joy in the mist, that we may claim the promise that's being given to us. Lord, we ask you bless each family in a particular way. We bless our children so they'll know the life they're growing up in is an important and good life and has great promise. Lord, we just have a little higher mountain we have to climb. Help us climb it together because we can't do it alone. We need each other, and we know that more than ever before. We know we need each other. And Lord, here today, our hearts reach out to other hearts, and you reach out to us. We bless the needs. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Now we'll have our next song from Justin. 
Once I was straying in sin's dark valley, no hope within could I see. They searched Thank you. Wow, that's so beautiful. Well, today we're going to look at what it means to be Easter people here. And who better to read than to hear Peter as he shares this wonderful message of preaching the gospel in a land that needs to hear the good word. And today we need to hear that good word in a powerful way. 
here we go hang on one second let me pull it up there we go found in the second chapter of Acts the 14th verse and then at the 36th verse now now we don't claim apostolic secession and Methodism but uh, let me explain what that means it means that um, when I was ordained an elder in the church I was ordained so by Bishop Minnick and also that's Bishop Bethay. Um, and they were ordained by a bishop. They were ordained by a bishop all the way back to Thomas Coke, Francis Asbury, and then to John Wesley, and then to his father, Samuel, all the way back to when the Church of England split from the Catholic Church, all the way back to Peter. So we don't claim apostolic secession as a right. We just know it as a historical fact. But you can see that too in your life since we believe in priesthood of all believers that you're a Christian, you're a believer, a follower, a seeker, because somebody came before you and opened the door. If it be a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a friend, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, somebody somewhere offered you Christ. And that person received it from somebody, and that person received it from somebody. And you too are part of the line of Peter. Because we're here together because we're connected together. So when I read Peter, it's not just a historical figure, a man who lived long ago, the chief apostle. Peter is family. And we're all part of Peter. And Peter is part of us. So let's hear what Peter had to say. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed him. He didn't have a microphone like me. He was an old fisherman. So he was used to hollering at the you know, crew or letting them know to go this side or that side or where the fish were in the Sea of Galilee. So he raised his voice and addressed them. But he didn't talk about fishing that day, not of fish, but a fisherman of men, his call. And he said, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh-oh, Peter's preaching. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brother, what should we do? And Peter said to them, and listen, Oh Lord, I wish this could go more than a mile. I wish the entire world could hear what Peter's about to say. Peter said to them, Repent, he said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them and said, Save yourself from this corrupt, just this corrupt generation so that those who are welcoming this message were baptized in that day, and listen to this, about 3,000 persons were added. What a sermon. 3,000 people in one day. And Peter didn't make it pretty. He didn't tell them a, you know, a humorous story. He didn't say a word that uh, was about comfort. He basically said, you bunch of wretched sinners, you better get straight and you better repent and you better be baptized. Lord have mercy, the outside's uh, it's bringing back some 
you know, some old memories of my grandfather preaching. Because when the earth is your carpet and the sky is your ceiling, and as Michael Jordan said, from the ceiling to the roof, the roof to the ceiling, God has made this creation. And Peter is preaching. And he's not making a pretty little three-point sermon. But I've got to get to that because, you know, Hannah's going to Duke and I've got to abide by that. The first point this morning is that some in that crowd that day were planning. They were planning what they're going to have for lunch after this man's, you know, finishes. Like the crowd that runs the Ron's barn. <laughs> Nothing wrong with planning, but do not plan anything apart from what God has planned for you. Quit those silly plans. Focus on what God has in store for you. Now, children, this, this really speaks to you. Because we older folks, we already planned a lot, and our life is already unfolding. But for you, it's just started. Just realize that God has a wonderful plan for you. So when you plan, plan with God in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. That's what repenting means, is to plan in accordance to what the Lord has in store. God planned for me to be here at this time at this church. And he planned for you to be here at this time in this church. He planned for us to be here. His hand is all over this thing. He's showing us his plans are greater. And though we may have wonderful dreams let our dreams never interfere with God's plan. And what is God's plan is that we be saved and our children be saved and the generations be saved. And one day, children, you can tell your grandchildren about that time in 2020 where the days grow long, but you believed and you trusted and you never lost the faith and that plan will see you through your life. The second thing that happened that day that Peter was preaching he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, so that your sins may be forgiven. You know, I think the church grew soft in the 20th century. We all did. We started thinking that somehow we could offer a gospel without repentance, not acknowledging the sins of the people. But sisters and brothers, this sin is a heavy weight, and if we don't help a person to be lifted up, they shall be burdened down. So Peter says to them, Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so your sins may be forgiven. See, what he's saying is that some people plan, but then some people plot. Plot. P-L-O-T. They plot. They scheme. And there are people scheming right now how to make a dollar out of this virus. There are people already made a killing off of this virus. People are plotting. Nations are trying to figure out which nations are, are weak and they can help to take over. They're plotting all the way around us. And sisters and brothers, does this not tell you the futility of backstabbing and finding fault with your neighbor? If you got nothing good to say about the person, say nothing. Do not plot. Do not plot, for only the vultures plot. Plan for God and know God has a greater plan and it's not a plot. He don't have to beat the devil. He already beat the devil. He beat the devil on the cross. 
and he beat the devil with the empty tomb. So why are we worried about plotting for a war that he's already fighting on our behalf? See, Peter knows that day in the crowd, there are people there who are plotting still against him. He saw them take away Jesus. He saw them plotting to destroy. In fact, he said, you the ones. You put them on the tree and you thought you won, but you didn't win nothing. Because my Lord Jesus, He rose again. I don't know if He had inflection in His voice. I don't know if He went to seminary. No, He didn't. But I tell you right now, He knew the importance of His message. And it's not the delivery that will save your lives. It's the Word, Jesus Christ is Lord. So do not plan your earthly measure and do not plot your earthly battle. Let the Lord open up for you to promise. And he says that in the 39th verse, for the promise is for you. Notice what he does. For your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. So what do we have here? We have the plan. God's plan is for us to be saved. God has a battle plan to fight the good fight. And God has a promise that He has given to us that not only will we be saved, our children will be saved. I think more than anything else, what this virus has shown us is the importance of family. Because postmodern America was losing sight of family. And now we're being forced back together. <laughs> Maybe that's a hard word, forced. Because you children, y'all love it. Oh, you know you do. Because in a way, we have to see each other. We have to love each other. We're family. And I'll show you how much family we are. They couldn't stop us. We're sitting in cars today. We're here because God loves us and we love God. See, the promise that Peter is saying is not just for us. In fact, if your plan of salvation and your plot of winning heaven is you, you already lost heaven. You just don't know it yet. In other words, it's never for you. It's for the ones that come after you. We need to invest in the future. We need to invest in what God has planned for this earth and for this life we live. We need to invest in these children. We need to testify, he says in the 41st, he testified because people were already arguing with him. And he finally hollered at him. He said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Save yourself. Save yourself. And how do we save ourselves? We save ourselves because God is already reaching for us in the midst of the storm. We're just pausing in the midst of the ocean of storm for that hand that's reaching out to us. You know, that great you know, portrait of God touching the hand of Adam in creation. And we are sons of Adam, but we're also part of the family of God. For those who welcomed him in that message he preached that morning, they were baptized. And 3,000 people were saved. Were saved. God is at work in a mighty way. 
Sisters and brothers, the day is coming and it will not be long that we will be back in the sanctuary together. But do not go back in like you did before. Go back in ready to receive the anointing of us being together in a close way, in a personal way. I, it, it's gotten weird. Did you know, uh, I don't claim to have invented the internet, but for the church I was one of the founders of the internet. I finally got back on Facebook. Have y'all been seeing my postings on Facebook? I don't post food, even though I love, you know, candies and food. But if you do, that's fine, because I read them. I've been posting poetry, I've been writing, and I've been remembering. And I've been posting pretty pictures of places I want to see when this virus is over, this pandemic. The one I want to see the most is I want to see our church filled and overflowing. I want to see our community back together knowing God has seen us to a new day. I want to see, and I'm talking about God's plan, I want to see our children come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior so when you walk by their room at night, you will hear them praying and know that your work is good. Because sisters and brothers, for some here, we no longer have our earthly parents, but I know they look upon us each and every day as that cloud of witnesses. And they say, Lord, how much longer? And the Lord will say, until heaven is filled, they have to carry this burden. But they are not alone. Been looking at Revelation a little bit lately. You know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know what they are. The horsemen of pestilence, disease, the virus. Then the horsemen of famine, which they say the world is facing a massive famine in the coming months, the poorer countries, because the supply change and there will be thousands that will starve to death around the world. And the next horseman is war because those who are evil will try to plot and take away from those who are suffering. And finally, the final horseman is death. Lord, Lord, we can't fight those things. We don't have the understanding of this virus and its mutations, and we don't understand it, and, and, and Lord, what are we going to do? Well, see, God has made us in His image. And He is healing us. And that's how He responds to the pestilence and disease. Well, Lord, we, we can't stop it when we're hungry and the world is hungry and the supply chain isn't there and people are going to starve. And it's not just poor children in the subcontinent. It's, it's children everywhere are going to be hungry. And every day they're giving food out here. Lord, what can we do in the midst of the famine? I'm the living bread, Jesus said. You eat of me, you, you'll never have any more need in your life. You can fill your belly all you want to, but you will never fill your soul because there's always more of me and there's always less of you. But Lord, what do we do when we face the war? And this horseman that comes with great terror and brings destruction in his wake, and the wars that will be fought because of this. We had the Prince of Peace. 
We have the one who has come to conquer sin and death. The war we fight within and the war that is being fought outside. They said the psychological damage is great. The emotional damage is great. The physical damage is great. But I think the greatest is the spiritual damage that's being done. See, the war we fight isn't just against them. It's sometimes against us. And only the Prince of Peace can, can touch your heart and turn you away from this war of destruction to the war of construction. But Lord, we can, we can do those because you're doing that. You're making it possible. But what are we going to do when we face death? This very week, people have died of this virus in this county, and we have members that were there on the front lines. They are facing death. Now, I know some people say it could be worse. That's no comfort. <laughs> That's no comfort, is it? It could be worse. Sisters and brothers, when it's bad, it's bad. And it's coming in buckets. These horsemen are galloping towards us. And this deaf one scares me the most. He's the pale rider. He's the one that terrifies me. He's so dark with envy and sin and evil. What do I do when I face this death? He died. And he rose again. See, see, everything the world can throw at us, God's already got it taken care of. And this optimism isn't a pie in the sky, some fake belief, some little idea that some person had. This was a fisherman who said these words, and 3,000 people got saved. John Wesley, years ago, he was preaching in the great church of England. He was considered an Oxford Don, a very smart young man. And then he met a man named George Whitfield who loved to preach outside. And George Whitfield preached once in Boston when he came to America, and his voice carried for a whole mile because Benjamin Franklin heard him and wrote about it. And he learned to preach in the open air. In fact, if you go to Lake Genaluska, you can see one of the pulpits that weighed about 500 pounds, made of wood. It was put on a cart, and George Whitfield preached from it. Well, John Wesley started preaching open air, and our church started in the open air. Methodism started as a spiritual movement outside. Our preachers were preaching outside, and the people came. The coal miners in England came. The American frontier people came. The Native American people came, the slaves, they came, and they were saved. They came and joined the church, the movement. John Wesley was fortified because his father, who had been a pastor in the Church of England, died. And he wanted to do the service, but the church wouldn't let him preach inside. So what did he do? He went outside and stood on his father's grave. <laughs> And he preached to thousands who came that day. And thousands came to know the Lord because here is this little man, he was only five foot tall, who's preaching a big message. 
And he stood there and he said, you need to repent of your sins. You need to turn to Christ. You need to know His salvation. Come on, be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they were there that day. And our movement started on a grave. But our movement's going to end in heaven. And as a shepherd of the sheep, my job is to get you there. To help you along the way. So if you're despairing, call me. 910-207-8316. Call me if you're losing sight of the light. And I will try to help you through the Word, through the Gospel, through the Bible, through the story of the Gospel to not lose hope. Because I want us all to be saved. And that's what it's all about. And that's why we're here. It's the power of the gospel. So Brad, is it a little bit better when I'm in front of cars preaching? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm not afraid anymore. Oh, I've gotten holy in my boldness and bold in my holiness. I'm preaching to Toyotas and Kias and Chevys, God bless Chevys, and Fords, Lord have mercy, and Lexus and Hondas. I'm looking at emblems. Uh, what do we have over here? Jeep? I don't know. Chrysler? I don't know. I don't know some of the emblems. But I know this emblem. Did you know Brad has come and he's straightened back up the cloth two times now? Is that right, Brad? Because the wind keeps trying to blow away the shroud, but it can't, even during that storm we had. You know why? Because somebody went and nailed it to the cross. I'm waving at you because I'm friendly and there's gnats flying out here. When I was a young man, I was going down to home to see my granddaddy. I was riding in my mama's little uh, Chevy, and she was driving. She used to terrify me when she drove. So I always paid attention to people and things outside the car. And there was this man on the porch, and she's driving by. And I waved to him out the window, and he's rocking on a chair. And right when he pitches forward, he waves back at me and comes out the chair into the bushes right in front of the house. And I told my mama, I said, that man just fell off the porch. She said, what? And I said, I waved at him, he waved back and fell into the bushes. And she said, oh, he'll be all right. He's probably used to waving to people. Sisters, brothers, we got to get people off the rocking chair on the porch into the yard. Because it's only here that we'll see what God has made. In all of our technology, we cannot recreate one single meter of ground beneath our feet or sky above us. All we can do is live here, getting ready to live somewhere else. So let us pray. Dear Lord, bless us and continue to lift us up. Let your plan be eternal. Let your battle be won and let your promise be made whole. Now may the love of God, the grace of His Son, Jesus, our Savior, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore we pray. Amen. Amen and God bless from Spring Hill United Methodist Church.